Okay, so if you were here last week, we talked about uh, how, you know, obviously Max is out of town. So um, I was kind of charged with the wrapping up of First John, um, which I have found easier this week than last week. Last week was a lot of studying. But, um, okay, there were four major themes. Um, and, uh, and we'll talk about those in a second. But at the very end of First John, his most important statement, yeah, you're good there. His most important statement is little children stay away from idols. So that's kind of, I guess, if you want to come up with a title for the sermon, that's kind of the title. But what exactly is an idol, especially in our modern culture, um, in our modern American culture, several cultures around the world still practice idol worship. Um, but in our modern American culture, we don't necessarily have little statuettes in all of our houses. And so we forget one, we forget that idolatry was a heavy theme in Scripture. And two, we forget that idolatry is something that we need to be protected from. Um, so what is an idol and, and why do we need to be protected from it? So you can, Caleb, you can go to the next slide. Okay, so these are the four major themes or pillars that First John has. Um, again, Max has talked about several of these, so, um, you know, I'm kind of not repeating, but necessarily, but I'm touching similar themes. So the truth of God in Christ, we really focused on last week. Um, love as seen, love as seen in having fellowship with God and others. Um, not being deceived by the world, false teachers, antichrist, or the evil one. We'll come back to that. Uh, Max has touched on that previously. And then confirmation that we are children of God. Max kind of focused on confirmation that we are children of God, and I did last week as well. Um, so that was, if you don't necessarily remember, you happen not to be here last week, that's why we were doing the, the kids' pictures, because last week the biggest take-home was to remember that you are a child of God, um, and being a child of God is enough. So remembering, remembering back to those vulnerable moments and those innocent moments of you being a child. And, and you can also do this when you have children as well. But remembering back to those innocent moments that you're not the leader and teller of the story, that you're the one who is receiving the story of grace. You're the one who is receiving the truths of God. Um, so kind of putting yourself in a place of reception and receiving rather than putting, your place in a, putting yourself in a place of power or of knowledge. Um, so John really follows those themes all throughout the first book of John. Today, we're going to be focusing on that third one. So does anyone know why I chose a lion for the picture of not being deceived by the world, the devil, false teachers? Because he roams, yes. So elsewhere in scripture, it says the enemy, and this is actually in Peter. So the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. So um, he is ready to pounce on you. So that's kind of the image that I want you to have, or scripture, I guess, wants you to have, of, of the way that the enemy tries, tries to attack us and tries to deceive us. So before we go to the next slide, I want you to see there, in First in John, there are several things that we have to remain protected from. Um, so we have to remain protected from the world, from the world's influences, which are passing away. I showed you that verse last week. We have to remain protected from false teachers. He differentiates false teachers and antichrists. Also, there are several, um, you know, I don't have time to get into this, but there are several tiny branches of Christianity that like, like to uh, kind of expand that into this one particular antichrist that's going to take over the world, capital A. That's actually not what First John talks about at all. It talks about several antichrists. 
Um, and when he discusses several antichrists, he has a little A for those antichrists. And he's saying any, basically any teacher or prophet that's walking around telling you that they know the way, the truth, and the life rather than Jesus, or that they are the way, the truth, and the life rather than Jesus. And then finally, the evil one. Um, okay, so you can go to the next slide. Okay, so back to idols. Um, idols themselves are not, this includes the statuettes that are all throughout India, which I've seen and I've been to um, idol temples. Idols themselves are not actually what people are worshiping. They're not worshiping the little, the little tiki god. What they're worshiping is something that they themselves created as an image for whatever they deem valuable. So a word that Hinduism uses called avatar. So there's a physical form, a physical manifestation of, of a god. Um, or you have uh, like a Buddha shrine. It's a, it's a, and I was going to put pictures of this, but I don't want to scare anybody. But um, a, I took these when I was in India myself. Like I could have put my own pictures. So there's a huge Buddhist shrine um, in the middle of Aurangabad, which is where I went. And that Buddhist shrine is about adoration and worship of the Buddha and his teachings as someone greater than a particular person. So idols in essence, and then we have idols, obviously, I mean, and that's what the picture of the calf is. We have idols all the way back. I mean, the Israelite people gave into idol worship as well when Moses was on the mountain, when their leader was gone. Idols themselves are not, not what we worship. They're the image they're the image or the representation of the thing that we actually care about. So if you think about idols like that and why we need to be protected from idols, money itself is an idol because the love of money corrupts everything, according to Jesus, right? So it's not that money itself is what we worship. It's that money is a representation of worshiping wealth. Money is a representation of worshiping affluence. Money is a representation of worshiping our pride, our self-sufficiency, etc. Same with, I mean, there's several things that can become idols. Family can become an idol. Career can become an idol. Culture can definitely become an idol. Power, approval, fame, pleasure, yourself can be an idol. Entertainment, religion can even be an idol. Success, comfort, possessions. I mean, there's a million more. And again, just like religions other than Christianity have all of these shrines in their houses um, in their cities, in their places of worship, we as Americans, as Christian Americans, I challenge us to see that we have all of these shrines around our houses, around our cities, around our country. We have these images that are emblematic of what we consider valuable, of what we consider worth our time, our effort, and our worship. You can go to the next slide. So what does 1 John have to say about it? So this is 1 John 1, 5 through 7. God's character is light. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now the word I kind of want to do a quick word study on is darkness. So we can go to the next slide. I'm not a huge fan of pulling out Greek in the middle of a service, mostly because it just seems very prideful. But I think the word skotia is very important to point out because 
when we think of darkness, we usually are thinking of a physical darkness, but that's not necessarily the word that it's that it's saying here. So first John actually, John himself, when he was in all of his books, he uses the word darkness to refer to a spiritual or moral darkness. It's emblematic of sin. So there is no sin, there is no moral depravity in God as a condition of moral or spiritual depravity. It also has a sense, the word, it has a sense of obscurity, of not seeing things clearly. So even Jesus, um, when Jesus is saying, you say, in Luke, you say things in darkness, they will be brought out into the light. He also, in Mark, now this is a, this is a positive or at least neutral sense of the word darkness. In, in, not Mark, I'm sorry, in Matthew, Matthew 10, Jesus says, what I tell you in darkness, you will bring to light or will be brought to light in your time. So even that, it means what I tell you in obscurity, what I tell you through parables, it will be brought to light. It will be brought to full truth, full understanding. So this theme of spiritual darkness, of, of obscurity, of deception, really, this theme, it carries on because John brings up deception over and over and over again. So you can go to the next slide. This is 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. To pause, that is a very thematic statement. To say, it's just like when Mark says, uh, the son of, Mark has Jesus quoting, the Son of Man came as a ransom for many. It's a very it's a very indicative statement of why Jesus came. So we have to pay attention to those statements. In 1 John, it is saying the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children are made evident. evident. So this whole passage, this 1 John 3 passage, starts with a concept of deception. It starts with this understanding that there are people or there are things or there are beings that are trying to deceive you. Little children, which again is an indication like we learned from last week. That's an indication. Remember you are of God. Remember you are a child of God. Remember that you are to receive. You are not to lead. So little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. You can go to the next slide. So deception has, deception has all of these implications, all of these fallout consequences in our world. So when First John is talking about deception, again, I think there's four, at least four different ways in which a little child of God can be deceived. They can be deceived by the world and by the lust of the world, which is passing away. That's a passage from John. They can also be deceived by the devil. And that's, and again, Jesus came to reveal the deception of the devil, right? Jesus came to reveal the devil's works. And they can be deceived by false teachers. They can be deceived by antichrists. They can be deceived, we, I guess, can be deceived by several, several things. In today's world, there's many aspects of deception. Everything is trying to deceive you. Typically, in the American culture, we call it advertisement. So <laughs> there's many, many ways that you can be deceived. There's conspiracy, there's spam, there's cyber deception. There's forgery, and there's, I mean, there's just basic dishonesty. Several of today's white-collar crimes are all based on deception. 
Something appearing different than it actually is. Something appearing as more complicated than simple truth. You can go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. Okay. So we as a church have a value of don't fake it, right? So you can, everybody can look at the back. That's the picture. So what he's actually doing in that picture is throwing away his mask. I think this is really important. Um, for, for the children of God going out into the world, one of the biggest things that we think about, and I, I do think this comes from probably an honorable place. One of the biggest things we think about is putting on Christ, putting on the armor of God, putting on to protect ourselves, right? Putting on these, putting on love, putting on sincerity. These are all from the epistles of, of the New Testament. So those are good things. But one of, the thing that we, one of the things that we as a church have started to do is put on a false pretense when we go into our workplace. And we think what we're doing is protecting ourselves. We, we put on a face of quiet because we don't want to talk about Jesus at our workplace. We put on a face of being polite or being politically correct, which I'm a huge fan of making sure that everyone is included. So that is not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about we put on a face, a fake face, of not actually saying what we believe or not actually saying what we mean. And we say it's because we don't want to offend anyone. But what we're actually doing is we're giving in to terror and we're giving in to, to fear and we're giving in to a scarcity mindset that there's not enough truth out there that if we have truth, nobody else could have it. So instead of connecting in the world, and this is what we're doing. Instead of connecting in the world, when we go out in the world, we're putting on a mask that keeps us from the rest of the world. And in that, more Christians today are feeling alone. More Christians today are feeling isolated. More Christians today are lacking fellowship than ever before. And I would submit that that is because while trying to protect ourselves, so again, it's coming from an innocent place, but while trying to protect ourselves, we decided to take the lead instead of being the little children of God, and we decided to put on something that was never ours to put on, instead of receiving the protection of the Holy Spirit from all of these false teachers from the world, from antichrists. And go to the next slide. So, ooh, that is really not clear. Okay, so the question, <laughs> the question, um, actually, that kind, of, that kind of goes with my question. So I did that on purpose. Um, okay, so I have a few questions for you. In your life, what is clear? If you remember last, last week, I talked about how um, in seminary I was going through a crisis and one of my friends kind of found a way to pull me out of that like very spiraling thinking by saying what is true. Very similar question. In your life today, in your week, outside of church, in church, what is clear to you? And similar but opposite, what in your life is deceptive? And I, do, I want you to spend some time thinking about this. What in your life, what in my life, what in our lives is not what it seems? Is something that we purposely obscure? Is something that we don't want out in the open? Is something that we fake? Because I submit to you, whatever that is, that is where the enemy is prowling in your life. Whatever Whatever in your life is deceptive, whatever in your life is held in secret, whatever in our lives is complicated, I might even provide that word, whatever in our lives is complicated, 
that is where the enemy most wants to keep you. That is where the enemy most wants to shackle you. And that is where false teachers are popping up all around you. Whether those are physical people, whether those are Instagram influencers, whether those are people on TikTok, like there, I watch, I watch as many videos as anybody, promise. But all of those videos are selling you something. All of those videos are telling you something about yourself, about your life. They're giving you a worldview and a viewpoint. And a lot of them are not, they don't bear the clarity of scripture. They don't bear the clarity of righteousness, which is the word that John uses. So what in your life is clear and what in your life is deceptive? Next slide. 1 John 4, 1 through 4. Spirit of truth and spirit of lies. Dear friends, notice that's, that is not little children, right? It's one of the very few instances that he does not refer to his audience as little children. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Again, capital, or not capital A. This is the spirit of the Antichrists that are always in the world. You have heard that he is coming, the Antichrist, and he is already in the world now. You are from God, little children. He returns to little children. You are from God, little children. You have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, which we sang today, right? So I'll read that again. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So these pictures are purposeful because there's, there's this complicated concept in 1 John of... Of, and, and I talked about it last week, of little children versus young, again, warriors. It says young men, but it has a warrior connotation. Young warriors and fathers who, again, it has a connotation of old. So little children, young warriors, old fathers. And, and it's, it's complex, again, not in the sense of deceptive, but it's complex because many sermons and, and many many people who have read this passage or pre preached on this passage in John, the, the three steps, they usually say it's one of two things. One, it's, it's specifically referring to, okay, when I'm talking to the little children, I'm not talking to anybody else, I'm just talking to the little children. And when I'm talking to the young warriors, I'm not talking to anybody else, fathers and little children, stop listening, I'm just talking to the young warriors. And same with fathers. And the other thing, the other, th there's that concept out there, and the other concept out there is that it's stages. So when you are a little child, come and just read the little child passages. When you are a young warrior, put aside the little child passages and read the young warrior passages. And when you're an old father, that's all you have to read and that's all you have to do. Again, I would submit with, with how circular John's language is, I, I don't think either of those are correct. With how circular John's language is, even in this passage, it's probably one of the clearest examples. He starts with it as dear friends, and he leads to little children in the, same, in the same thesis, in the same concept. I think the way that John thinks about our roles as little children, young warriors, old fathers, I think it's very similar to, and I said this last week, I think it's very similar to the way we think about the Trinity, where all of God 
cannot be conceptualized as part father, part son, part Holy Spirit. And it can't be conceptualized, that, that's actually marked as a heresy. It can't be conceptualized as there was the father and then he created the son and now we have the Holy Spirit. Those are, that's kind of the stage mindset. That's another heresy. So it's not, it's not that God is, and it's the same with us, it's not that we or God is a huge pizza pie and there are different slices of reality. It's that all the time, God the Father, all the time, God the Son, all the time, God the Holy Spirit is ever present, is ever moving. That they are distinct and yet they are all God, right? So in the same way, and I don't mean to say these are the same thing, so please don't hear me saying that, but in the same way that we understand that concept as Christians, I think we need to get a better understanding of what John is saying here about us as little children. We are always little children. We never stray from or grow out of being little children, which he, again, shows you at the bottom of this, the way that you conquer is by being a little child. So we never grow out of that, but there are aspects of us where we are fully a warrior. And just because we are a young warrior does not mean that we stop being a little child. And when we grow into our peace as a father, it doesn't mean as an old father, as an old parent, it doesn't mean that we stop with the truths and stop with the identity of God's children. So um, you can go to the next slide. So I kind of talk about, I kind of show images of these, these three ever-repeating, ever-circling truths about us. Um, so we have little children who give into the joy. You can go to the next slide. We have young warriors who conquer, right, who go out and conquer. And then the third one, we have old fathers. Old is not the word used, but the concept there is that they are older, they're wiser, um, and they are leading others in First John. So the next slide. What exactly, what exactly is little children? I would submit probably the best term that I can think of when reading is our identity. Um, so I don't want to say that all three of these are our identity because that I don't think is indicative of what John is saying. John says our identity is little children. We don't stray from being little children. We stay little children. And out in, in the identity of being a little child of God or being little children of God, our biggest call, our greatest call is love. We, we live out love through adoration, through wonder, through, through identifying ourselves with God and as his children. And again, through receiving through having the reception of the Holy Spirit. So if little children is our identity, I think the next clearest would be young warriors. Young warriors is our victory. So when we have victory in Christ, it is in Christ, it's not on our own power, it's on his. But when we have victory, we are being the warriors, the, the, the friends, the banded brothers that he kind of references in that First John 4 passage. The greatest call of young warriors is commit. And I didn't want to do another Greek word. I didn't want to throw another Greek word in front of you. But um, there's a Greek word, poieo, and poieo is a very common Greek word. We actually usually translate it as do, so to do something. But the word actually means to practice or commit to doing something. So when it says those who practice sin, the word there is poieo, which is constantly translated as do. But what it means is to walk according to sin, to practice sin, to commit to doing sin. And then likewise, First John uses the word poyo over and over and over to talk about we need to make sure not to let ourselves be deceived. We need to make sure not to let ourselves follow after false teachers. That word is poyo. 
So we live out commitment through discipline, through knowledge. These are words in John. Through discipline, through knowledge, through righteousness, and through right action. And then finally, I think the next one, which you can go to the next slide, Caleb. This one is a little bit harder to pin down because he speaks about it the least in 1 John. Um, so I have to admit, I went to his other, his other books to kind of see how he conceptualizes this. I do think that he has a purpose in writing 1 John, and that purpose really does sit more between little children and young warriors. But old fathers, I think, is, is about our peace or our inheritance. So our inheritance is the ability to abide. Our inheritance is finding our victory in, finding our victory, living in our victory in peace. So the old fathers, this is said in 1 John, old fathers abide with him. And in abiding with him, they commit no sin. In abiding with him, they are conquerors. In abiding with him, they recognize their identity as little children. So again, it's not, it's not a stage. It's not something different. It's just something that we're always living into. And the way that we abide is through companionship, through legacy, through intimacy. And again, that's, that's emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy with God and with others. And through comfort. You can go to the next slide. So these are, the, these are the three, that's also not that clear, but these are, I'm really living into this uh, deception, not clear concept, but um, these are kind of the three that make up this, this tree that we are. Um, and, and again, I, that's a concept, that's a concept in First John, in this book of five chapters, he brings up the seed of Jesus and how that seed sprouts in us and grows in us. Um, and, and kind of the end of that growth is this peace that we have as fathers who abide. So in a constant continual circle, we have our identity, our victory, and our peace. Our peace reminds us and lives in, in our identity. Our identity is shown through our victory. Our victory gives us peace. So again, it's just over and over and over. So you can go to the next slide. Okay, so that's a lot of information. I know it's a lot of information. These are the take-homes, I think. These are the legitimate take-homes that are in First John. One, we have to be a child. We cannot leave, leave being a child, even when we are out conquering the Antichrists, even when we are out conquering the deceptions, even when we are taking off our mask and not faking it. What that itself means is to be a child. So we have to be a child, and we have to often remember to be a child, day by day by day. The second take home, we have to fight the good fight, remembering that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That verse has to be an anthem of peace in your life. It has to be an anthem of peace. It can't be an anthem of war. Otherwise, what we're doing is letting go of little children and letting go of the peace of our old father self, and we're just trying to be warriors. And we're just trying to walk out in the world and conquer everything that we know is false and slice everything open. And that is not, one, what First John is saying, and that's also not what Jesus wanted us to do. So we have to fight the good fight and remember, while we are fighting, remember that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So the roaring lion, there is, there is the prowling lion, there is a greater lion, and that is Jesus Christ. The, the antichrists that are out there, they're, sim they're simply little idols. They're simply humans that are crafted and are created and are made. We have the eternal God in us. And that God is always praying and that God is always operating in the world. 
And the way, I think, if, if we're not going to go around slashing up, uh, metaphorically or physically, if we're not going to go around slashing up the world and all of its deception, whether that's in our lives and in our homes, or that's in our workplaces, or that's you know, in our community, if we're not going to do that, and that's not how we're going to conquer, the way that we do conquer is by looking for truth and being wary of deception. You have to look for truth in your life and you have to be wary in your life. We have to be wary in our lives of deception because it will always try to come after you. It is much easier, it is much easier in a lot of senses to try and deceive the people around you than tell them the truth. It is much easier to give into deception when the rest of the world is giving into deception, the passing lust of the world, than it is to stand for or submit to truth as a child of God. So this is, this is going to feel uncomfortable this week when you do it. It is going to feel uncomfortable. This week when we do it, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And it leads us back to the first. We have to remember often that we are children. You can go to the next slide. So this is our true victory uh, as young warriors. First John 2, 20 through 21. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you have knowledge. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. So as we go out today, um, if this message has meant anything to you, um, I, think, I thank the Lord for that. As we go out today, this, this has to be our resting place that, Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And that we are fighting not because we don't have knowledge, but because we do. That we, are, we have a special and a clear, every one of us has a special and a clear anointing from the Holy Spirit to follow after what we know to be true. What we know to be true. So when we fight lies in ourselves and in the world, when we fight deception wherever it may spring up, we're fighting that from a place of victory and we're fighting it from a place of peace because we are confirmed anointed children of God.